Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show, guys. It is Thursday, August 13th, 2020. We missed Friday the 13th by one day. Yay. All right. Guys, welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. Joining me in studio is the ever-lovely, our great intern, Justine. She'll be joining us here and saying hi in just a couple seconds. I hope you guys have had a fantastic week so far. Things have been going really good here. We had a great show yesterday. If you happen to miss it, we had our favorite couple from Nashville, Josh and Jeff of J&J Buzz on, giving us our Wednesday Pop Culture Minute. And then my special guest, the interview for the evening was Caleb Gossett. He's an HIV educator and administrator in Chicago, Illinois. And we had just an interesting talk about HIV. It kind of goes on the back burner quite a bit. So it's good to kind of bring it up and talk about repercussion because there's still 16,000 people that die um, of HIV, not necessarily of HIV because you die of other issues and they don't really track what is actually from the virus. So it's still a lot of things we don't know about it. You think about COVID or we're hoping for a vaccine for COVID. AIDS started ravaging our community back in the early 80s, and there's never been a quote-unquote vaccine for AIDS. We do have uh, AIDS. We have a great therapeutic in our different uh, drug cocktails you can have. And, of course, PrEP has been amazing for those that do not have HIV in keeping them negative. Justine, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am good. You were out of town for a while. Are you back home yet? Or are you still traveling about? Yes. I'm finally back home. We spent a week in Crestline, which is kind of like our big bear. And we just rented a cabin okay. and enjoyed the view. And then we came back, unpacked, and then packed again, and then headed for Arizona to visit some family out there. And we stayed out there for about a week. And now I'm finally home and sleeping in my own bed. So happy. That's got to be nice, but trips are kind of fun, too, to actually see other people. A cabin up in Crestline sounds amazing, though. Did you guys hike every day, or what did you do? We did one hike on one day, and it was actually really hot when we went up there, but we we just enjoyed each other's company, played small games, Uno, poker, just stayed inside, drank a little too much, (laughs) and just enjoyed my family. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. Very, very cool. And then Arizona had to be hot as Hades for the while you were there. Yeah, Arizona was at least 110 every day. So we didn't do much. We just stayed at my uncle's house with the AC blasting. And if we weren't inside, then we were in his backyard in the pool. And we pretty much did the same thing, played cards, played pool, or in the pool. And we went out to dinner maybe like once or twice because their restrictions aren't as bad as ours are. And I feel a lot mm-hmm. safer out there than it does over here. So we did enjoy oh, shopping a little bit. Yeah, it was nice to get out. Nice. Very good. Well, what, I mean, everyone is usually going back to school these times. Is it weird for you not to be getting ready to go back to school since you are an official graduate here any day now after this internship? Yeah, it is weird. I was actually just talking to my friend yesterday. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting ready back to go back to school. And I was like, oh, what's that like? <laughs> I'm just sitting here <laughs> not having plans. And I'm just like, oh, so I've been in school for 22 years, and now I don't know what to do with myself. 
There you go. I mean, there's no jobs out there right now. That's always interesting and everything. So it's going to, it's got to be a weird and kind of freaky place for you right now. I can imagine. It is, but I know that I'm not alone. I mean, I have like millions of graduates out there that are also feeling the same thing. So I'm kind of enjoying the time at home because before I was working 24 seven and doing school stuff all the time. So I'm kind of just enjoying it, taking the time, watching some TikToks making videos on Instagram and I'm just trying to make the best of it. There you go. That's, that's a great attitude to have. There's not much else we can really do. So I like that. Well, we're a little bummed tonight. Um, We both look forward to our little Ramiz foodie section every Thursday. And she gave me a message late this afternoon. She, she's on a little vacation herself. And so she recorded a segment for us yesterday but she did it in a wrong mode i've had this happen where i've got messages from people where they expire after a certain time if you don't save them and she forgot mm-hmm. to save her segment yesterday so she lost her entire segment and she oh, realized no. that about an hour before she was supposed to mail it to me or email it over to me today so the segment was done so she was going to call in live but she is going out to dinner tonight with her girlfriend, and wow. a foodie can't miss dinner, even though it is a for a foodie section, right? That's just not no. bad. That's not good. No, so you can't. she is going to give us a special extra segment next week on a week she's not yeah. usually on. We'll do mental health and foodie next week, and we'll get some live content from her secret undisclosed dinner location tonight. So that'll be fun. Wow. So no, yeah, that will be fun. No foodie section tonight, though. So I am going to miss a good recipe or restaurant recommendation. If you missed the last one, if you go back to our archive two weeks ago, um, she did a great um, overview of a lot of really cool black-owned businesses in and around the New York area. Ramisa lives in New York. And she uh, went through the different boroughs and everything. Gave us some great black-owned eateries and restaurants and diners. So you can go back two weeks ago and check that out. But we will have a special segment from her next Thursday. And then the Thursday after that, we'll get a double dose. So that'll be kind of fun. What else we got going on? Tonight, we have an interview in just a little bit then with Beth Bowen. And she's kind of an interesting story. She's a Southern California native out by you, Justine. She grew up in Fresno, California, wanted to be an actress and moved to L.A. and did the actress thing early on in life and ended up being friends with this great group of actresses and actors. She was friends with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Ryan Seacrest when he was living on someone's couch and all these different people and ended up um, marrying a guy and having four kids by the time she was 32 and kind of was considered herself when she, when she got married and had her second kid, she kind of just went to the housewife phase and uh, thought she wasn't going to be acting for a while. And then um, her and her husband got a divorce. So she needed to get back Mm -hmm. to work and she was offered a reality show on Bravo called There Goes the Motherhood, where she was with um, this group of other mothers, sort of like a housewives, a real housewives, which is a real mothers of kind of L.A. type thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Had an interesting journey there she's going to tell us all about. But then went from there and just started doing some art. She was kind of dabbling for the heck of it. And now she has art displayed in the Louvre in Paris. She's been invited to a festival in Cannes, in Cannes, uh, France. She has stuff um, portrayed all over New York and all these great galleries and and turned to an artist. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking to her and sharing that story with you all. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. What a life. Yeah. I, I haven't done half those things that I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm feeling unaccomplished all of a sudden. <laughs> Anything else fun and exciting you have to talk about tonight before we jump in here? Um, no, maybe I might share my own little recipe at the end of Beth's interview. That would be amazing. I like that. Let's plan on that. The only thing okay, that I have tonight that. is uh, it is interesting that, we have um, Outfest 2020 starts a week from today. It's going to be August 20th through 30th. 
And the sad news and the good news is because of COVID that OutFest is going to be all virtual. For those of you not familiar with OutFest, it's a great LGBT short film festival that happens in L.A. every year. They premiere some really great short films, documentaries, full-length movies. And this year, because of COVID, they had to cancel it, which means no fun parties like there is every year. But the good news is everybody can watch every movie virtually, no matter where you live in the United States or the country. Uh, So that's kind of cool. So look for that to happen. It's going to be August 20th through 30th. You can look for OutFest. I think it's OutFest.org, O-U-T-F-E-S-T.org. Or just look up OutFest 2020, do a little Google search, and you'll be able to find it relatively easy uh they have some great titles this year i kind of looked over it earlier today so that could be a lot of fun so let's go ahead and play a little music though and uh, we're going to come back and talk to miss beth bowen out there in your neck of the woods i think she lives out near pacific palisades there and then after that we're going to bring justine back on and you may get a little recipe tonight boys and girls We'll be back in this little bit. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. There's father in the sky and they're starting to align. I see you passing by and we're slowing down the side. Now my love is flashing by. All I see is flashing lights because you're right here by my side. Can you feel it come alive? If this were a love song, would you be mine? I just can't get you off of my mind. And I think about you all day and night. So I wrote you a love song, wrote you a love song. Baby, you're beautiful. I think you're beautiful.
right, you guys, we are back. That was David Hernandez from American Idol with Beautiful. So, my friends, they say that necessity is the mother invention. Well, my next guest is a mother who's come to understand the necessity of reinvention. From her humble beginnings in Fresno, California, who fell in love with acting after joining an improv group in school, to moving to L.A. to pursue that love, she married at 23 and was the mother of four by 32. She took her parenting journey to reality television and after a divorce, rediscovered her love of both health and wellness and art. And she's brought those passion and determination to both. I'm excited to talk to her all about this remarkable journey. So please welcome to the Left and Straight Show for the very first time, Miss Beth Bowen. Beth, how you doing? Fantastic. How's it going? It is going good here. How is everything in beautiful downtown Southern California? But it's fabulous. I can't complain. Every day feels like a vacation. <laughs> We're definitely there you blessed go. over I here. <laughs> nice. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. My intern, Glory, reached out, and I appreciate you getting back with us. Let's talk just for a second about COVID quarantine. I mean, Four children, relatively still young. Yes. How are they holding up, and how are it's you holding up in this brand new world? <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been definitely a three-ring circus dealing with COVID. It's unlike anything we've ever dealt with before. You know, these are unprecedented times, and we have um, definitely uh, made the best of it because, you know, uh, homeschooling is uh, not easy, <laughs> And uh, four different grades from high school, junior high, elementary school. And I am not a teacher by any far stretch of imagination. (laughs) So I, my hat is off to all the teachers out there. Um, I question all the nice report cards that I've received because I don't think my kid was a pleasure to have in the classroom. <laughs> he wasn't a pleasure <laughs> or she in my classroom. <laughs> so, but no, I'm, I'm, I am grateful for all that they, they do. And I cannot wait to get life back to normal so I can send them back to school because yes, it has been difficult. <laughs> I bet. So, well, you have such a great um, sense of humor. Just follow you on uh, social media and Instagram you you just have such a light touch about different things, and I'm sure the improv background must help a little bit to not let the kids know how much they're driving you up a tree. <laughs> oh, right, right now. Yeah, and I definitely uh, I am an expert at negotiating with little terrorists. I know their tricks, and I can see them coming and uh, have to have really strong, strong boundaries and rules, and that's actually what gets me through the day. And wine, but, yeah, so... <laughs> There you go. Wine always helps. That is for sure. I know. And I'm so sorry. I know you lost your mother. I'm sure she would have been a big help during this time. But uh, I just wanted to express my sympathy for that. I'm sure you miss her in times like this. Thank you. Of course. Of course. No, my mom was amazing. And I honestly don't know how she did it with my brother and I. And because um, we are both quite spirited children and independent. And, you know, she didn't have help. And, you know, after... You know, while I was raising my kids, after the first two, um, when I had my third, then I, I had somebody come in the house to help me out. And mm. I'm so grateful to ha- be able to, at the time, you know, have that. And I of all the single parents out there, that that's, I'm a single parent now. It's just like, it is difficult. It really is. And right. uh, yeah, it's um, counting to 10 and taking breaks and having boundaries and just knowing that the kids are going to be okay. Like we're all in the, all the kids are in the same situation. Like there's a lot of pressure as a parent thinking like, Oh, my kid is, you know, falling behind or they're not going to be able to keep up. Is this material really, are they grasping it? Do they understand the concept? And it's, I just had to let it go. I had to, you know, just basically just understand that they're going to be okay. At the end of the day, they're going to be all right. (laughs) Exactly. That's all we can do. Yeah. Well, talk about your childhood. Let's bring you back to the beginning. What was growing up in Fresno like, and what kind of a kid were you? Sweet home, Alabama. I mean, Fresno was simple. It was simple living. Uh, Grew up going to the lake, to the mountains. Um, As a teenager, uh, mudding, four-wheeling with my brother and his friends, uh, jumping off the roof onto the trampoline into the pool, just kind of wild. I was kind of this 
tomboy, really, for the most part, and I just loved it. We, it was just like I saw the movie Sweet Home Alabama. I'm like, I felt like that character, Reese Witherspoon. I was just like, you know, great friends, kind of like small town feel, uh, great home values. I think that really gave me a great foundation. My two parents are, you know, very loving and supportive, and just you know, taught. I think my brother and I, a lot of like wonderful life lessons to, that I could handle and, you know, conquer and go into Los Angeles with and have that confidence that, okay, I have a good foundation. I think I'll be able to navigate all right. So um, no, I'm grateful for growing up in Fresno. I loved it. I bet. And I mean, everyone thinks of California as one big LA, but I mean, Fresno's only three and a half hours from LA, but it's a whole different world between the two, right? Is it kind of an adjustment to go out there? It's, (laughs) it it really might as well be in Kansas city. Like it could be in middle America. I mean, it's just, it's definitely different. It's definitely a slower pace. Uh, It's, I just think of like the South, the Midwest, that was kind of, the feeling I get when I travel to different cities in our nation, I feel like, okay, this is Fresno was like this growing up. It was more like this. It <laughs> right. definitely wasn't, didn't have that, the big city feel of, uh, it wasn't as fast. <laughs> Just a slower pace. Sure, yeah. sure. And talk about finding that improv group when you were younger. What kind of, how did that speak to you and what brought about this oh, love so of wanting to be in the entertainment business? Oh, I loved it. So, well, when I was a kid, I used to watch Kids Incorporated. I just loved it. And they sang and they danced and they acted. I'm like, oh, this is so great. This is amazing. This is totally for me. The one problem is I don't sing, but I I loved acting. I loved to dance. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this. My mom was pretty firm about saying, well, if you still want to do this when you're 18, you can do it. But until then, like, you're here. Like, you're not going back and forth to Los Angeles. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, So in seventh grade, (laughs) uh, there was a popular improv troupe in the junior high. It was like seventh and eighth graders. And they would travel to all these different elementary schools and perform. And I just said, I'm going to go to that middle school, and I want to try out for that improv team. My older brother was on the improv team, and I just I, I loved it. I loved watching what they did, all the fun performances, and the quick thinking. I just I was like, yes, I want to do this. And so for me, that was definitely um, something that was going to happen. I was going to find a way to make that happen. And so, yeah, I I tried out in seventh grade. I made the team, and I stayed on eighth grade. And that really helped me, I think, build confidence in myself and realize, you know, like, I can do this, and, you know, why not go bigger? So I my <laughs> my mind was set on Los Angeles at a young age. I'm like, I will get there. One way or another, I will be there. There you go. And was yeah. it everything you thought it was going to be once you got there? Talk about your experience. I brought a lot of people there from Ohio, Gosh. and they usually love it or hate it for the first little bit. It usually takes you about a year or so to get acclimated. Oh, I loved it. I loved making connections and meeting new friends and – I really got really, I mean, I was really fortunate. I was so lucky that I met a great group of young Hollywood kids that all came, you know, from like the Midwest or the South or whatever, and they were all working actors. And so one friend knew another friend who all these like weekend parties, there was actors that I recognized. I'm like, oh, there's Love Hewitt, Jennifer Love Hewitt. There's, they called her Love. So like, there's this person, this person, like, oh, I've known her forever. I've worked with her and everyone knew each other and we all kind of like shared our own network where who's your agent, who's your manager. And <laughs> it's, it was really great. Honestly, like I knew I had a, a, a strong, like a close group of guy friends and we all were kind of hustling together. And I met um, uh, my friend Tanaz and his best friend, Ryan Seacrest was sleeping on his couch. <laughs> and so oh, we were funny. all friends that we, so we would go to the soup plantation like at two o'clock because we were all like starving, you know, actors, whatever, <laughs> right. model, model actor, whatever they call them. <laughs> and Find we were all just like kind of struggling. <laughs> yeah. So we'd go there at two o'clock. And so we would eat lunch, but stay just long enough because we already paid for our plate to have dinner too. <laughs> These are back in I the days that. where we were like, you know, just 
yeah, starving actors. But yeah, it's just it's it's wonderful to see you know friends' careers take off and um, you know it's 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 awesome. It's awesome. We all That's had awesome. our own successes. Yeah, I bet it's really neat. No, We're all great. still you know friends, so it's it's really neat. Yeah, you kind of need to have that crew in there. It's, it can be a very lonely place. So when you have that core group of friends, you tend to kind of stick together, right? It's 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 a very right. nice comfort. Yeah. But I also feel like very we nice. had similar values growing up. You know, whatever you know, small town mm. they were coming from, I felt like I could relate to. And you know, we're all kind of fish out of water and trying to figure it out. And you know, good kids. We didn't get into drugs. We weren't doing anything too crazy and um i i think that really helped all of us you know we all became our own you know family like our friends our different friendships you know that was our extended family right right very cool yeah. well, let's talk about yeah. going from that kind of a background and we go into bravo with there goes the motherhood cast i mean i'm sure the idea is to kind of get these parenting tips and to learn to be a a better mother and kind of get other groups, but we know it's a reality show going in. What did your friends say about <laughs> this? And what was your initial thoughts of joining the cast? Oh gosh. So actually I, um, I would say like after I had my second child, I had the idea, I guess the spark reunited within me to get back into acting and, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew that I'm like my I reconnected with my old manager and he's like, What does this look like? What do you want? I'm like, Oh, commercials. Let's see if you can send me out for pilot season or whatever. And I started submitting myself on things and I would go in with this for one part and a you know, one off for, you know, T V series and right. They would call me back. They're like, actually, we passed your tape around, and they would like to, you know, for you to come in for Big Brother. I was like, wait, Big Brother? I mean, this was, I went in for like a scripted show, and then I would get a call back. So, like, in my mind, I was Meryl Streep, but everyone was like, oh, you'd be good for this reality show or, or Survivor. Oh, yeah, come back for this. It's so funny. I was just like, no, but I, I'm a serious actor. <laughs> this is what I want right. to do. I just, I started, you know, self-submitting, and then I did start doing some reality so then I received a callback for this reality show with Nicole Ritchie called Candidly Nicole. And one of the producers, or actually Jill Spivak, who was the mom expert for There Goes the Motherhood, uh, I guess loved the scene that we did. And she pulled me aside and she said, <laughs> hey, I just lay back. I thought you looked great on film. I am in the process of developing a show. And she didn't say it was Bravo. She said the Magical Elves. And she said, I think you'd be great. Contact this casting director. Um, apparently, there was a, a search for this mom group, and they're putting it together. And I had no idea. Wow. But through Jill's uh, reference, I guess I got to kind of skip to the front of the line, which was great. <laughs> and uh, went in and just led telling them my story. And um, at the time, I was going through my divorce as well. So I said, you know, I was soon to be a single parent, four kids, and right. not really sure what I'm going to do with my life because I've been a full-time mom. I, I haven't worked. And uh, the experience was not what I thought it was going to be. I really, I mean, I, I should have known. I mean, I, you watch these housewife <laughs> shows. I mean, it's, you know, right. the drama's going to come. Even if you don't bring it, they're going to twist it in a way they will make it super dramatic. <laughs> So, Thank you, Bravo. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> right. And, but there was a lot of wonderful information, but a lot of it was edited out. Like we did talk about vaccines and we talked about, you know, the important sleep training and there's different things that, you know, could help a lot of moms. But unfortunately, they were more concerned whether or not I had a live-in nanny or not. You know, it was just like so <laughs> silly. So we lost a lot right. of the important you know, the, the nuts and bolts, I think that a lot of parents could have used that were very resourceful. Um, There's a lot of great information, but yeah, I, they just focused more on the drama, unfortunately, but, um, right. but through that, I did get on a fitness kick because I have had four kids and I know the struggle 
of gaining tons of weight and putting it on and it's so hard to lose weight and baby weight. And I was like a hundred and well, I'm five, six, but I was like 190 to 200 pounds with each pregnancy. So I really got huge and I've always been pretty tiny. So I understood firsthand like how difficult it was. And then I lost the weight and a lot of people were asking like, well, what did you do? What did you do? And I wanted to share, I wanted to help people. And so I thought like, maybe this is what I should be doing. Maybe I should be helping women lose the baby weight, um, live a healthy lifestyle, um, make changes, however small, great, whatever. And I thought that was my, (laughs) my um, way of giving back. (laughs) So that's how I really got into the health and fitness. Like through the TV show, they're like, well, how did you do it? And that was my angle that I decided to go with. So gotcha. I just sure. kind of headed in that direction. Yeah, from the show. And what about what about the show? What did you get out of it the most? And what did maybe the kids get out of it most? Were they kind of sheltered from a lot of it? Or did they were they kind of liking the perks and the cameras and stuff? Or talk about what you guys each thought was the good part about it? Um, well, I don't, my kids were, they didn't really focus too much on the kids. They were kind of like extras <laughs> there. Gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they, we, we talk about them, but the focus wasn't them per se, but we, I would say the best part was, I mean, honestly, I, I developed a wonderful relationship, friendship with my castmate, Stephanie, who also has four kids and that was awesome. And, you know, making new friends through the production. But the majority of the reality TV itself was pretty hardcore. Like, it was it was tough to, you know, be attacked for things and you didn't see it coming. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even see that coming. You're sitting down in group thinking, oh, we're going to be talking about this one issue when all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, it's like, wait for mm, it. And right. they, they come at you with something or... Beth, we have a problem with you with this. I'm like, what? What? I didn't even see that coming because the producers <laughs> I was working with obviously aren't going to tell me um, because then they don't have a TV show. So uh, the process itself I, I, I didn't enjoy, but the friendships that I have made through it, I have. That's amazing. I, I mean, so, you, yeah. know, you know it's going to happen a little bit, and you kind of lose any control over that, but it's nice to see that there is some positive that can come out of any experience, right? So that's always definitely. good to get a friendship or something. Yeah, that was nice. definitely the, the silver lining. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And what did the kids think about mom's health health and wellness? Sometimes kids like it. Sometimes kids just want their old mommy back. Because <laughs> it's a lot of work to be healthy oh. sometimes, especially when you're helping other people, oh. right? It takes away from well, mommy definitely. time. definitely. And um, my daughter at the time when we were sh- filming the show, she was 10. It came out when she was 12, and then she had an Instagram in, in junior high, and then she said, well, Mom, you have all these people. <laughs> these are strangers. <laughs> like, what you have to, like, what are you posting? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just posting about, you know, diet or, you know, what I'm doing. And she was like, oh, can you <laughs> shout me out? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not building my 12 year old Instagram. I'm like, this is not a priority and you do not need to be like in this world right now when you're 18. Okay. But I really want to keep her social media private and, you know, not exposed because I really wasn't posting a lot of my kids for a few reasons, Um, going through a divorce and their privacy um, didn't want to exploit them. And I just, if it's something they want to do later, then great. And I would post a picture here and there to show, yes, I am a mother of four. Yes, these are my children. But not so much <laughs> the focus on them because they didn't ask for this, you know. So right. I was mindful of that. And talk about the the health and wellness journey a little bit. What, uh, what did you enjoy about it? And uh, what was kind of the, what's, what's the struggle of that kind of an industry? Well, for me, I'm a non-expert, so I was just sharing what worked for me. And so Mm. I think also 
along with like the YouTube generation, social media, it's kind of like these years of the amateur. So I think people want to know a real story. Like I didn't have a gimmick. I wasn't selling anything. I wasn't attached to a plan or a meal plan or I wasn't Mm. selling supplements and shakes. It was just like, this is what I do. I swim 2000 meters. I (laughs) eat chicken breast with avocado. Like, this is like, yes, I have cheat days. Yes, I do this, but everything is mindful and in moderation. So if I'm having a bad day eating wise, the next day I'm more mindful. I'll run, I'll do cardio and the importance of doing cardio and the importance of weight training and things like that. So for me, I made it very clear. I am not an expert. (laughs) I am not a nutritionist, (laughs) but I will let you know what I did and what worked for me. I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone, but if it can help somebody, then awesome. Right. And I think that's what's coming full circle around during COVID too, with everyone doing these Zooms and these different things from home. The authenticity is what's really bringing some of these celebrities out of their shell and kind of really making them a lot more popular. And I think that's probably what it was back then for you as well. The authenticity is more important than the, uh, than, right. than anything else at the time. Right. Well, I just think people can relate to, you know, just real people and especially when it's not an ad, like there's so many times somebody's like, Oh, try this tea. It's like, Oh gosh, here goes another tea. And, and you know, they're being paid <laughs> to say that they love it. And so nobody was paying me. Like I said, I wasn't attached to any sort of meal plan or supplements or shakes. So it was, it was just me. And I'm like, this is, this is what I'm doing and you can do this or not. And it was for one, at one point I had a group off of Instagram that we would all like check in with one another and keep each other accountable. But then it is a lot. And, you know, it wasn't a business. It was more of, uh, a way of just like giving back for me. I just felt fulfilled sure. helping others. But then I realized I was like, you know, I need to figure out a way to make money. And I wasn't trying to monetize that. I really genuinely just wanted to help people. But then that's, you know, where the art comes in. I just wanted to like do something that I love that where I can also make a living. Right, sure. And I'm sure there's a lot of pull the other way, too. Once once you're on any kind of these reality shows, you're getting a lot of pull to let's see how we can make money off you making money off other people, right? So you get a lot of those oh, kind totally. of offers tons, and silly things happen. Oh, right. you name it. Uh, teas, skin cares, deodorants, teeth whitening. I was hit up for everything. But I tried to, if I chose to work with a brand, I wanted to make sure it was on brand with what I was doing. So right. it had to be somewhat health and fitness related and something I believed in, or I tried it myself. Like, oh, I like this. This this works. But yeah, I was just I wanted to make sure like it wasn't like a makeup line. Like makeup has nothing to do with my health and fitness, you know, journey sure. um, or helping others. So it was I was definitely mindful of not just I guess signing up with a company that wasn't on brand. Right. And let's kind of start um, segueing into the art here a little bit. Um, you're pretty much self-taught. I think I read that your grandmother was a painter of some time. Talk about your right. early interest in art and how that came about. So, yes, when I was a kid, I used to, my grandmother lived a few blocks away, and I used to watch her paint landscapes and beautiful ocean scenes um, with oil and she was so giving of her time and patient and she just like here try this or use this brush and look at this stroke and see how I'm blending and what I'm doing the thing about oil that takes a long time to dry if you so you can if there's something you don't like you know you can change it there's things that you can do and like the perks of working with oil as opposed to uh, acrylic um, was awesome and she was so talented and she's like, no, no, no. And she never believed in herself. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're amazing. Like I <laughs> can't do the things that she's doing, like what she was doing. And there was something about the lack of confidence. And I don't know why, but she never put herself out there. And I, I just, honestly, I never could understand it. Like I think that fear holds 
so many people back. I don't know if it's the fear of rejection or the fear of hearing no, but when you get past that, like for me, after losing my mom, after going through a divorce, I just felt like a warrior. I'm like, what is going to like stop me now? Like, I feel like I've been raked over the coals. What are they going to say? No. Okay. I'll survive. So I basically, I went through a breakup after my divorce and I was in a four-year relationship and I really wanted to focus on what my next chapter was and what that looked like. What is it that Mm -hmm. I want to do and go for it. And I started painting. I literally would watch YouTube tutorials. I didn't know anything about painting. I just knew that I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was therapeutic. And I just wanted to watch anything and everything that I could. So I did. I just watched different tutorials about different styles Mm. and pores. I was like, okay, this is awesome. I love this. So I took a trip over to Michael's Crafts and bought a bunch of canvases, tons of acrylic paint, and I just started painting. And I, you know, there wasn't anything that I thought was really that great. (laughs) And then I just felt like I was getting better and better. And a friend of mine commissioned a piece and I did a a pretty cool abstract and I, uh, it's like a mixed media and I put in newspaper and I, I used, um, um, oil and, um, acrylic and Mm. it was like a small piece and, her uh, business partner's father passed at a certain time. So I wrote the time and newspaper on this piece. And she's like, oh, he loved it. This is amazing. You need to be doing this. It was something about her confidence in me that I was like, okay, she believes in me. Why don't I believe in myself? Because I think there's something that follows us if we feel like, well, we weren't classically trained or, you know, we didn't go to, we didn't take a master's course and, you know, this right. form of art, then you're not going to be good enough or no one's going to take you seriously. And I don't know where that narrative comes from, that that negative self-sabotaging uh, voice we have in our head. But I just was like, well, she believes in me. I think this looks pretty good. I'm going to do this. <laughs> so there I started making a few Yeah, so I started painting, and I made more pieces and different styles, and I had about, gosh, would I have like six pieces, six or seven pieces at the time, and um, yeah, maybe it was like about seven, and then a friend of mine was having a concert uh, in West Hollywood. His band was performing. And I think this was, he was sending out a reminder. I think this was like the end of August, early September, but his concert was October 6th. And I remember seeing it, like he's already starting to tell people like, Hey, come check this out. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have an art show October 6th. So our mutual friends can come by, see what I'm doing and then go to the show. So it's for me, well, if I have a gallery showcase, how long does someone come and really look at art? You walk through, like, great, I saw everything, now what? So I'm like, oh, this will be great. The concert's already happening. I just need to find a venue where I can put up my artwork (laughs) and let my friends and family know that I'm doing art now. Like, nobody knew. Like, I didn't tell anybody at all. Like, like, where did this come from? I didn't even know you were an artist. And I said, well, you know, I was just having some fun at home, and, you know, this is what I'm doing. So I went online, I booked a gallery without even knowing how to, (laughs) I didn't even know how to go about (laughs) it. I'm like, gallery space for rent, Google, you know, Google search. And I found a place, Substrate Gallery in Hollywood, and it was like 500 bucks for the night. And the owner of the gallery called me the next day and was like, welcome, so excited to host your showcase. Who's your curator? the heck is a curator? So I'm looking at my phone <laughs> as he's talking, like, curator, what do they do? <laughs> and so he's going on and on. Well, I've curated all these shows. I've done this. I've done this. I've done that. I was like, wow, you sound amazing. You're hired. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so honored. 
<laughs> not knowing. Oh, that's hilarious. I didn't even know what a curator was. And so he's like, well, how many pieces do you have? I said, well, how many pieces does your place hold? He's like, well, depending on your size. I said, well, my smallest is 36 by 36, largest about 48 by 48. He's like, well, with those dimensions, I could probably hold 14. How many do you have? I said, 14. I didn't. I had seven. <laughs> so I cranked out another seven really fast <laughs> within the month. And I dropped them off. And then he said, okay, well, for your card, you know, next year, your painting, you're supposed to, like, list the, the, the title of the piece, the dimensions, the, the, the method. The, uh, I had no idea. I had no idea. I'm like, you have to name them, too? <laughs> it's like children. <laughs> I was just oh pulling goodness. names, like, out of, yeah. I mean, I was just like, okay, that's uh, – <laughs> yin and yang this is the land meets sea like I was just making up stuff like this one was like with blue tones like mermaid lagoon he's like oh these are great these are great he's like I have so many artists come through and I don't like their work I really love your work I'm like oh he's just saying this and he's like no 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 I want to help you he's like I think you're great I'm like wow thanks so I had the big show October 6th I invited 200 of my closest friends and family and um, it was great. I ended up selling pieces. I didn't know how to even price things because my whole point wasn't even <laughs> to sell. It was to let people know, like, this is what I'm doing. Come have apps and, you know, and right. some drinks and have some fun before, like, some of them are going to the concert or just something fun to do. Because we're in Palos Verdes. It's like we kind of live in this kind of rut, rut you know it's like a we get in, in a rut doing the same things like every day is very mundane it's just sure. this is you know getting off the hills going into the city like this is great so I ended up selling like half of the pieces that night and two weeks later Ramses the curator slash owner of the gallery called me and at the time it was actually a really tough financial time I had just moved you know going through a divorce having four kids like gosh like the 500 does Venmo bounce like I didn't even know I was like why is he <laughs> calling me because I thought like maybe there was something financial didn't go through so I almost didn't even answer the phone I'm like uh-oh did I like did something happen and he's like oh Beth I have great news for you I'm like well what's that he's like well I submitted one of your pieces to Gabriel Fine Arts of London and I submitted a piece from everyone who's rented my gallery in the last year, plus all of my own. He's an artist as well. He's like, they picked your Mermaid Lagoon. I'm like, what? And I honestly had to think back. I'm like, which one's Mermaid Lagoon? Because I wasn't attached to the name. I was just like, <laughs> like, oh, that, yeah, yeah, oh, wonderful. He's like, well, this is a huge show. It's going to be here with international artists from all over and Paris, Argentina, and Canada, big Artists were flying in from all over for the show, and I only I had the one piece, and so from that night my piece sold that night. So the gallery owner um, from Gabriel yeah, Fine Arts, they were like, "Well, we're leaving straight from here to Art Basel. Do you have any twelve by twenty four pieces?" And I said, "Oh my gosh, of course." They like, "Great, send us three. We'll show showcase you at Art Basel." amazing i didn't have 12 by 24 so that morning i went to michael's as soon as it opened i painted three pieces really fast took the blow dryer made sure because acrylic paint dries pretty fast bubble wrapped them handed them to the gallery owner and she's like great and so she showcased me at art basel which is like the academy awards of art so right. I went straight from there, and then two of the three pieces ended up selling. Got picked up by an art agent, uh, this gentleman by the name of Mark Shapiro, and he's handling like the New York, Florida, like the art world, all, and also in California. And so he said, "Well, I want to help you and you know guide you. I want you to submit to what was it, Art Santa Fe, New York Art Expo." So from there, I was at New York Art Expo, Art Santa Fe, and then I painted with the the ashes from the Woolsey Campfires of Malibu, and then my piece sold that night for charity. It was awesome. And then I submitted to Art Monaco, which is like during the yacht show. It's like Prince Albert's private showcase. 
the Louvre, wow. and the Cannes Film Festival, and I got into all three. And then I showcased at the Louvre one year anniversary of me even showcasing my art for the first time. So <laughs> right. it was just insane. Huh. So I was like, well, why not? I could have, I wasn't classically trained. Like I, this is something that I took on my own and watching YouTube tutorials and getting picked up by these incredible galleries, museums, and it's just, and why not? So for me, the whole message was like, just do it. Just go for it. It's fear is our own worst enemy. That's what's holding us back from really realizing our dreams. Because you don't know what you can okay. do unless you, you go for it. So you just have to put right. it out there. And it's just been awesome. I mean, despite COVID canceling, you know, the, the Cannes Film Festival, but I will be showcasing next year. And then I got into a museum in Austria. It's actually in a castle, which is great. They're going to take a piece from September through December of next year. And so it's going to... Um, for me, it's just like so many things to look forward to and keep that momentum right. going. Um, just like the sky's the limit. That's so. amazing. Congratulations. That is so exciting. Thank for you. Me. Yeah. And I love, it's, it's I've looked been... over all of your paintings. I love the use of your blues. I'm a bright blue guy. That's one of my favorite. Royal blue is my favorite color in the world. And you have so many great blues there. And I'm sure uh, by the ocean that it's got to be very inspiring for you. Where do you find yourself yes. painting? Do you paint outside as well, or do you primarily paint at home in a studio? In my or how studio. Do, how do no, you... I do. I, I paint at home. Um, I live in an area that's kind of like a little Mayberry, <laughs> and uh, peacocks <laughs> everywhere and horses riding on the trails behind me. Um, you know, I did a, a collection, a series of oceans and uh, the piece that showcased at the Louvre was the deep blue and it's ocean inspired. Um, I love it. I absolutely love the sea. Uh, my most recent collection is your life is your canvas. And I use a paintbrush to basically show it actually is the symbolism of my life. Like I have completely reinvented myself by the age of 40. So I didn't know what I was <laughs> going to do. I didn't know seriously as a single mom, um, working in television, not working, then what is it? What is my next chapter? And the whole idea behind it is your life is your canvas. We may only have one life, but we can recreate it as many times as we like. So there's a like a white strip on some of the pieces. It's just starting over. It's like you could have created something and you don't like it for whatever reason or you just want to um, make a shift. You can you can you can do whatever right. you want, and it's really I wanted to inspire people to live their best life. We only have one. Why not just go for it? Well, I love it. I think they're great. I've seen the pictures on them. I love you go from full color to the black, whites, and grays, which I absolutely love. I mean, my favorite. I like texture and everything, and I like your ones like your your serendipity and your crimson oh, yeah. tide and those kind of textured ones always. I love that kind of paintwork. I have a couple of those in my home. So beautiful. Oh, beautiful wonderful. Stuff. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Nice. I'm enjoying it. I'm definitely enjoying this next adventure. It's It's been a lot of fun. Exactly. I bet. And the talk about, I mean, you actually, I think one of the reasons you came to Corey's attention is you actually did a combination work with, um, someone that we had on, Bianca Turner, had on a couple of weeks ago. I love her. And you actually did a collaborate. She's my she art fairy godmother. Yeah. yeah, she's incredible. She's my art fairy godmother. She's amazing. So I met her at the Gabriel Fine Arts uh, Showcase. So she's this incredible Romanian artist who has done so much, and she's been nothing but loving and giving and guiding me on the right track. And I honestly, she has been, I can only associate with her being a fairy godmother because I, she really popped out of the sky. It's like, I'm like, well, who are you? How do I? And she was just, <laughs> both people, you know, they're just not so um, trusting with people they don't know. Like she just took me under her wing and she was just like, here, let me, 
you know, help guide you. I'm like, yes, thank you. I'm so appreciative. She's been incredible. We had a showcase together when I had uh, the C's, uh, that whole collection. I did that with her. And, That's yeah, cool. no, she's been amazing. Yeah, I have nothing That's but great. love and respect for her. I absolutely yeah, love it. I love two powerful women that make some powerful art. That's amazing stuff. Um, now, yeah, she's think, incredible. Is, is this virtual showcase still going to happen, you think, September 1st? Does that yes. look like it's September success? 1st to the 20th. Yes, made in L.A. September 1st to the 20th. It's going to showcase Eric Sanders and yours truly. And it should be wonderful. I'm really excited for that. And it'll be 20 days. I'll be highlighting our pieces. Is amazing. Well, congratulations, all the success, and thanks for coming on the show to share your art with us. And I love your story. Like I said in the beginning, um, reinvention, I think, is a key for all of us, and that we can do it anytime, any age. That's very inspiring. So, inspiring. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Beth, let everyone know where they can find your website for all of your wonderful art and where they can follow you on social media because, like I said, you do have a great sense of humor. Oh, well, thank you. Well, my Instagram, I mean, my uh, website is bethbowenart.com. My Instagram is I am Beth Bowen. And then my art Instagram is Beth Bowen Art. At Beth Bowen Art. Fantastic. All right, well, stay on the line for me, and we will talk again real soon when you get to that castle or get over to uh, to talk (laughs) again. That'll be wonderful. All right, stay on the line for me, Beth. Guys, we're going to play out a little bit of song here. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Somebody somewhere has got a long road to haul. Somebody somewhere has got a mind to give it all. Lord, won't you make that someone hopeful? Won't you make them strong? Cause we all gotta stumble before we stand and tall. And I know that it ain't easy, but there's a thrill in the fact if you know where. Oh, oh, oh. 
And we are back. That is our buddy, the Tony Award-winning Levi Christ with Standing Tall. Guys, thanks so much to Beth. I appreciate Beth Bowen for coming on. I hope you enjoyed her story as much as I did. And now, as promised, even though we did not have our our Thursday Foodie Minute with Ramis, we're going to have a Foodie Minute with our very own Justine. Justine, you found a recipe for us? I did, and I like it because I'm 22 years old, and I don't do that much cooking. But this recipe is so easy, and it's it's perfect. So you're going to like it. Nice. What do you got We're gonna for We're going to go ahead. The recipe is for a Cajun shrimp and sausage vegetable skillet. So what you're going to need mm. is two bell peppers. I use one red and one orange because I like colors. Two zucchinis, two yellow squash, some asparagus, Italian sausage, shrimp. And then you're going to use olive oil and Cajun seasoning. So you want to cut up all the veggies. You're going to cut off the bottom and the top of the zucchinis and the squash. And then you're going to make sure to chop them up into (laughs) bite sizes. And then when you cut the bell peppers, you're going to do the same thing. Cut off the top stem and then the bottom. And then I like to split down one side of the bell pepper, open it up, and then scoop out the insides, which is all the seeds that you don't need to cook with. And then my grandpa taught me when you're um, cutting asparagus that you don't need to cut off the bottom. You just grab it like two-thirds of the way, and then you just like bend the asparagus, and it'll break. So you won't get like mushy asparagus. Everything will be like super healthy and crunchy and everything. So once you've done that, you're going to cut all the asparagus up into bite sizes as well. And then you do your Italian sausage. Just cut those into little pieces, like, to your liking. And then I like to add shrimp. And so if you buy fresh shrimp, then, of course, you're going to devein it and take off the shells to cook with. Or if you could buy it prepackaged, then you're just going to defrost it and then add it as well. So I put all my vegetables into one big bowl. And then I get my sausage. I put it right into the skillet with one tablespoon of olive oil. And I just start to warm up the sausages and cook them a bit before I cook anything else. And then with, when I'm doing that, I add a little bit of Cajun seasoning. When I feel like the sausages are a little bit more cooked and ready to go, you're going to need a big skillet or a big pot because it's a lot of vegetables. So you're going to add in all the vegetables, stir it around, make sure they're evenly coated with olive oil. And then I like to just go crazy with the Cajun seasoning. The recipe calls for one tablespoon of Cajun seasoning, but I like to add a lot more than that because I'm Hispanic uh-huh. and we like things a little bit spicy. So once all that is in the pot, I mix it and I wait for the vegetables to like get a little bit soft, but they're not soggy. I don't put a lid on it because I don't want the steam to get it all soggy. All the vegetables stay crunchy. Even at the end, they're so crunchy. And then I add in all the shrimp, and then I just keep stirring it until everything looks ready, and then the shrimp is a nice pink color. It probably takes about, like, 20 minutes just to cook it all. And what I like about this recipe is, like, when that's ready, you can eat it just like that. Super healthy vegetables, shrimp, you got your protein in there. But I like to also include pasta. So we just recently started making um, spaghetti with it, so we'll boil spaghetti And while that's boiling, we'll saute some diced garlic and olive oil like we do in Italy. And um, when that's ready, we add like a couple of spill water when it's almost done boiling to the garlic and the olive oil. Stir that up. We drain the pasta and then add the pasta to this garlic and olive oil mixture. And it creates like this nice pasta. And then we stir the vegetables on top of that. So everything is just super good and it goes so well. Yeah, it's like a jack-of-all-trades. Like, you could just have the vegetables, or you can eat it with the pasta and the garlic, or you can serve it with rice. It's just perfect no matter what. It's just delicious. That sounds so good. I like it. It is good. And it's super easy. You just chop everything up and cook it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, easy breezy. Take care of it. Who needs Ramiz? Whoops, I didn't say it out loud. Sorry, Ramiz. (laughs) (laughs) Ramiz, we need you. (laughs) There you go. That's your Thursday Foodie Minute with Justine tonight on a very special episode of Left to Straight Show. I like it. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's awesome. You're welcome. It's super easy. 
All right. Well, guys, be sure to join us tomorrow. We will be back uh, finishing up the week with one last show. Always starts at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to have direct from Australia, Michael Butera has a brand new song out. He's a great singer-songwriter, lived in Montreal for a while, now back in his native Australia where he grew up. I actually uh, did an interview with him, uh, 14-hour time difference the other day with Michael, but we're going to play that interview tomorrow. And we may have a live interview tomorrow with a filmmaker, or we may not. That might be later next week. Just be sure to stay tuned to find out. We'll be here at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 Eastern time. Please follow myself on social media. You can find me at Left of Straight on Twitter and Instagram. That's L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number 8. On Facebook, it's Left of Straight Show. And on Facebook, you can follow my profile, Scott Fullerton. Send me a friend request. And follow Justine and all the interns at Left of Straight Radio. Left of Straight, spelled the same way, add radio to the end on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Any uh, parting words of wisdom for the listeners tonight, Justine? No, just push one more day, and then we're there for the weekend. There you go. All right, guys, we appreciate you listening in. Be sure to download the episodes. Um, on your favorite podcast, if you ever miss it, you can subscribe at uh, iHeartRadio and Spotify and Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Your favorite podcast, Shibriers, will be there. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.